Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am your host, Ben Popper, joined as I often am by my wonderful collaborator, Cassidy Williams. Hi, Cassidy. Hello. I'm excited for today's episode. As am I. There's no getting around it. We've written about it on the Stack Overflow blog. A lot of churn in the tech industry these days. First, there was the great resignation and Mm -hmm. a lot of competition for talent. And then more recently, a lot of layoffs, unfortunately. And so today we wanted to chat a little bit about how folks can set themselves up for success in that hunt for the next role, whether that's because they want to move on from where they're at or because uh, you know, they're, they're unemployed and looking for work, whatever the situation may be. We have a great guest coming on to discuss this with us, Wesley Faulkner, who is a senior community manager over at AWS. Hey, Wesley. Hey, and don't forget the quiet quitting. Quiet quitting, I won't and forget. And now we're in the loud, loud layoffs. Oh, yeah. gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> the quiet quitting to the loud layoffs. I guess, you know, first things first, when you look out at the industry right now, I'd love to hear from both of you. Do you think that things have calmed down? Did we go through a period and now there seems to be a cessation, you know, or do you think we're in for more noise over the next six months? To me, it feels like they're tracking with profits or earnings announcements. Yeah. And so I wonder if there's a full cycle that needs to be like gone through for, so we have like another month depending on when right. companies announce their profits before we'll see an actual ending of the cycle of layoffs. That's my personal opinion. Well, and it's also just kind of a very weird time where, yeah, like it's earnings and everything. Some companies are doing really well, but they're still doing layoffs. Some are not. Some are hiring a ton and some are hiring nobody at all. There's lots of reorgs and restructures and stuff. It's I don't want to just throw around the word unprecedented, but it kind of feels like it is because it's it's different right. from previous layoff spells that we've seen before. I heard a good analogy. I think it was Joma Tech just sort of saying, when everybody's doing well, nobody wants to be that one company that stands out like a sore thumb and does layoffs. Like, why are you doing that? You know, it was all about perks and everything else. When everybody's doing layoffs, it's like, if you're you know, at a party and everybody just starts ripping farts. Well, like you can too, like nobody's going to look at you askance because like, I guess everybody's (laughs) doing it. So in some ways it feels like folks are taking advantage of this moment to maybe correct for some of the very aggressive hiring that they did. You know, I think Cassidy and you have talked about this before. Overall, for most of these large tech companies, their headcount is still higher now than it was in 2019 or 2020. So So if you're someone who, uh, yeah, is thinking about how to position yourself in the job market, Wesley, what are some of the things that come to mind first? Is it the way you set up your resume? Is it your LinkedIn profile? Is it getting out and doing talks? Just, you know, from your perspective, what are some things people can do to kind of set themselves up for success? You mentioned that right before we started the show that you looked at my LinkedIn. So I'm sure you can see that I have a lot of experience with switching jobs or finding a job. Uh, So the first thing to do in terms of if you're luckily enough to understand yourself, that's kind of where you start. Like what's important to you? Is it work culture? Is it the size of team? Is it the size of company? Because those aren't synonymous. Because if you're at a startup that's engineering heavy, the engineering team could be the largest team in the company Mm. as opposed to uh, a company that's less traditionally in tech um, where that team might be smaller, even though the company itself might be big. 
So understand the team size that you feel is important to you and the company size that you would like to be subsumed into. Figure out if you need to be remote or if you need to be with other people. Mm -hmm. So in person is something that's important to you. So before you start looking and really understand like everything that drives you that and in, in kind of sets you up for success. Also, um, when you're looking for a new job, it's also an opportunity to upgrade. So see if you need to go for a more senior role, look what title that you want to hunt for. And then also kind of look at the kind of the projects that you feel passionate about. Are they working in the developer stack that you need or you want, or are they more maintenance mode where they have something that there's that's good and you just want to work on making small changes to the outside of that so really understanding what drives you what's your passion and make sure that you're in an environment that when you think about going to work you don't just start chipping your eye out with an ice cream you want to actually be invigorated and you want to kind of be energized and saying that's what i want to do so start from a place of optimism and don't start whittling down saying, oh, well, I don't think I'm good enough or I don't think I'm qualified enough. Mm. Don't self-censor and edit before you even get started because that's not setting you up for success. One thing that I often tell people is when you're job hunting or even just if you're doing like a life audit of yourself, you should be writing down like, what am I good at? What am I not good at? What do I like to do? What do I not like to do? And kind of use that to mm -hmm guide the decisions that you're making because a lot of times you might be just chugging along and if you are not making any of these life audits for yourself or career audits you you're just kind of doing what you feel like you should be doing but you might not be liking it you might not be growing enough but mm. if you are realizing wait i actually mm. want to be going in this direction or that it could really affect the decisions you make the companies you apply for that sort of thing yeah i think that's a great point Somebody was telling me the other day that they take job interviews, even if it's a position they're not interested in, they're at a company, you know, they don't really want to move, but they get an offer and the company is intriguing to them in some way. And the value there is that you can go into the interview and just be totally honest. Like it's hard mm -hmm. for me in an interview setting right. or, you know, even a managerial setting not to want to be nice and, you know, tell the occasional white lie or, you know, round the edges off. But if you have no stake in this at all, you can just say, you know, this is how, this would be my dream version of this job. You kind of like go through that. You're kind of like, you know, rubber ducking it a little bit with yourself and you're having the interview and get the position, don't get the position, but that's a good exercise to sort of say like what position would kind of be perfect for me. Yeah. I do that too, actually. Yeah. I, I love taking interviews just like this podcast, but for jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's one of those things where I, I often tell people that the best time to apply for jobs is when you don't need one. Because it's kind of like what you said, like the pressure's off a little bit. And so you can right. be a bit more honest about things. And if it doesn't work out, it's fine because you have a job and, and you don't necessarily need that job. But in the best case scenario, you might discover a role that you might not have thought about before because it answered questions that you didn't realize you had. Yeah, I think that's right. So Wesley, you mentioned that um, you've, you've you know had a lot of different jobs over the course of your career um, and that, you know, you, you as well, you know, enjoy taking interviews. We talked a little bit about sort of setting yourself up for success, how to position yourself in public. When you look out there, how would you decide which company you feel is right for you? How would you evaluate that, you know, like without actually being in the company? I know some 
have interesting interview processes that maybe are helpful for that where you get to spend a week, you know, working with them inside of their repos and like actually working through, you know, a change that the engineering team or whatever team you're going to be on was doing. So you almost have this simulation of what it would be like. That's really cool. But barring that, what are some of your strategies for figuring out if a company would be the right fit for you before you make a big life change and, you know, kind of commit to that new organization? Right. Just to touch on what you were saying before, like taking interviews just to see and explore, what you want to do is make sure that your online profile is aligned to kind of your skills Mm -hmm. and your passions and make sure that's kind of consistent between LinkedIn, Mastodon. I use Polywork, which is a great aggregator of different work samples. That's all great to make sure that to allow the thing or the perfect job that you didn't know about to find you and come to you. But then also once you have your list of what you're looking for in your perfect job and you do the work to find it on LinkedIn or through your own network. In order to vet those companies, one thing that I like to do um, is to, of course, use the online tools that are available, Glassdoor, Levels, Blind, to kind of like look behind the scenes to see how they treat people, how they pay people, and um, generally what the work culture is like. And then there's your peer communities. So I'm in a Slack group for developer relations. There are several different Slack groups or discords uh, or different types of groups where people, birds of a feather, where you're all kind of understanding where the industry is heading and what kind of companies or players in that industry. And so you can kind of reach out to that network as well to figure out general temperature, sentiment. What do you feel about this company? Uh, What have you heard about this company? And If you get a lot of personal experience, either with people who are currently or used to be with the company, try to see if you can set up a time to chat with those people. And of course, people like you're saying, who are no longer with the company, usually are a little bit freer to express uh, how things actually work, (laughs) how the sausage gets made. But then what you want to do is take that, make a mental note and realize that there is a possibility that it could be their department that they're in, the specific manager that they had, or a specific like company culture at the time. So realize that this is all encapsulated into those kind of caveats that are up to changing over time, especially with past employees. And if you can talk to current employees, what you can do is maybe have a different kind of conversation where you can look for those red flags or green flags that you were told about and see if they give you evidence to verify those Mm -hmm, things. mm -hmm. Uh, And then once you gather all of that information, hopefully you can take the online sources, the community uh, feedback, and all those face-to-face one-on-one interviews that you had. And when you take those into the actual job interview or when you talk to the recruiter, know that those are the things that you need to kind of key in on to see if if what you hear is reinforcing or actually contradictory to what you've heard from the street or the line. Mm, Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So let's say you've presented yourself in a light that makes sense for you. A company has come along that's aligned with what you're seeking next. And you've done a little research and feels like this company is going to be a good fit after talking with some folks. Now you're going into that interview phase. Let's talk a little bit about interview tactics and then you know, we'll play it out. Let's say it was successful. We'll talk about what it would mean to negotiate for a position. Well, yeah, let's start with the interview Mm -hmm. to both of you. You know, how do you approach an interview uh, at a tech company? And 
I don't know if necessarily a technical interview is going to be a piece of it, but often that's where folks find the most anxiety, I think. I think the technical interview is one of those things that varies so much from company to company that it's just stressful because some companies will want you to implement merge sort from scratch or something. And unless you have a traditional computer science background and you just graduated, you probably haven't done that for your job in a while. And so there's like a lot of studying involved. And then some are much more practical where it's just like solve X, Y, Z. And this is something that we actually do regularly on the in the role. And so that technical side is definitely a challenging part that often stops people from applying in the first place because they're just mm. like, I'm not ready because I have to study before right. I can actually start applying for these roles. Yeah, that's unfortunate, right? That it creates that hurdle where you might disqualify yourself without, you know, you don't really need to. Yeah. I gotta say that that's kind of like almost itself a task to measure a company because I've also applied for like a PM role mm. and I would have to do some technical coding challenge where it feels like they're not necessarily matched in terms of the day-to-day -day and reflective of the role, which almost shows that maybe that the company themselves don't know what they're looking right. for mm. or don't know what's important. And the reason why I mentioned that as a red flag is because if they don't do a good job of understanding how to evaluate candidates, then that means that they could be misguided in terms of how or what it looks like to be successful right. in the role. Mm -hmm. And in the interview process, there's a few things that I do to make sure that I understand and they understand what the role actually is. One is even the job description. Yeah. If the job description seems like a template, like they just downloaded it and then they posted right. it, then it seems as though it's not bespoke. They don't know what the person is going to do. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been to a job where you say, okay, my role is, I don't know, lead developer. What is our first thing we're going to work on? And they say, well, that's what we hired you for. <laughs> you you got to tell us. What that. And, just, and they're even posed as be on the ground floor or really lead the team. Right. Uh, so those, those seem good, but those could be really red flags because they could say, tell us what to do. Right. But then when you tell us what to do, we will still push back because we're not fully convinced. And so it's always, it's a right. fight between this is the agenda that I think we should be doing to, okay, now give me all of the evidence where you're doing more work to justify the job rather than doing the work to do the right. work. So that's one thing to look for. Some other things that I asked for to during the interview is resources and costs. So if you are, let's say in marketing, uh, you're looking for a marketing role uh, and you're going to need someone to do graphics design. You're going to need someone to do some copywriting or to create an ebook or to do anything that's related to being successful with the goals or the things that they say they want you to do. Don't take for granted that the resources <laughs> are also coming with the Yeah, role. get it in writing if you can. Yes. So if you say, okay, thank you for hiring me as your first developer advocate, I'm also going to need some way to make sure that I upskill or stay in sync. Yeah. So is there an allocation for me to go to conferences purely for educational purposes? And if their answer is, huh, I, I never thought about that. That's a, that's a clue. <laughs> uh, if it's something where like, of course, yeah, that's something we want you to keep learning and growing. Then that could also give you a, sen a sense of if they're fully going to give you the benefits to actually do the role rather than just right. 
really focusing on hiring you and then you have to figure it out. And then now there's no budget for anything and you have to be super scrappy. And when there's no money, you replace that with time and that goes into burnout, but I digress. Next question I ask is, what is your onboarding process? And mm. if they can't answer that question in detail or generally what timeline or what they expect for you in the first 30, 60, 90, or like when you get into the office, that means that they're also really not defined on setting you up for success, which is a, another clue to really make sure that you ask those questions during the interview. And then understanding their timeline for hiring. I've been in the interview process where you wait for months and you're, you don't know, are you ghosted or yeah. were you earlier right. in the process? And so getting that cleared also tells you, are they looking for the right person or are they looking for the right person for right, right. now? Mm. And you have a different approach to interviewing depending on either of those scenarios. Yeah. If they're looking for the exact right person for the role, like this unicorn that has this halo when they show up for the interview, that may be a red flag that they are either looking for personality or they're actually really defined in the role and they know exactly what they need to do to be successful. Some of those um, right person, right role is uh, super protective because they've just been burned yeah. by someone who was in the role before and they're like, oh, we can't do this again. And so they have a list of all the things that the person shouldn't do more than the person to what they should do. Um, so understanding that hiring timeline, it also gives you insights into how to prepare for the role because you may need to ask more questions rather than give more answers if that is indeed the case to make sure that you are the right fit and make sure you're vetting both ways. That it's not just them looking at you, but you are looking and understanding exactly why they have this type of restriction. And then one of the questions that I think, I don't think a lot of people talk about during interviews is the quality bar. Mm. Uh, because people assume that you have to be the best or you have to, the quality needs to be high, but some expectations for a company is like, you know, get me an MVP. Let's iterate, let's test it, let's get it out there. And so the pace of work and understanding when you need to deliver things and what level of quality or finality that they have to be in before you can actually show it to someone or present it is something that's extremely important because you don't want to turn something in and they said, this doesn't meet our quality bar, or you turn something in and they said, well, I wish you got feedback earlier, or we wish we got this earlier so that we can be more collaborative. So understanding how the, the quality of the work during the interview process will help you set yourself up to set expectations and making sure that you can meet yeah. them. It's interesting to hear it from that perspective. It made me think a little bit about folks who are listening who might be considering applying for a job. You mentioned like if the job description feels kind of boilerplate, that could be a red flag. It makes more sense, in my opinion, maybe this isn't everybody, to send a very short CV that's actually about the job you're applying for and says something specific and unique to you than a very long cover letter that is clearly boilerplate. Yeah. So if you're listening, save yourself some time. The spray and pray method of boilerplate CV goes everywhere. Hasn't really worked uh, for folks I know in the past. Better to write something nice and terse. What interests you in the job and one thing that you've got that you know you think qualifies you for it or excites you about it, and then let them look at your resume and take it from there. Absolutely. Turn compliance from a burden to a business accelerator 
with 24-7 continuous monitoring. Automate evidence collection for your entire tech stack with over 75 deep integrations. You can book a demo at drata.com slash partner slash stack overflow. D-R-A-T-A dot com slash partner slash stack overflow. Make sure to use that link and you'll let them know the podcast sent you. One question that I like to ask in interviews, and this is kind of later in the process, but it's it's been pretty helpful for me to kind of gauge company culture, is I like to ask each of my interviewers, what is the most important thing to the company? Is it the employees, the customers, or the product? None of these answers are wrong. But what is right. interesting and very insightful is, does everybody have the exact same answer? And and can everybody explain mm. why it's the exact same answer? Because uh, all of these things are important. The employees are important. The customers are important. The product is important. But by everybody saying the exact same thing across the team, you know that the team is aligned communication-wise. Where, for example, when I also was an Amazonian at one point, Wesley, every single person was like, oh, it's customers because customer obsession is a core leadership principle at Amazon. And I knew that everyone communicated well on that front, that this is this is the priority. And then there've been other companies that I've been to where they're just like, oh, it's employees, employees number one first, and then everything else follows, or it's the product. Mm -hmm. And once again, none of them are wrong answers and it doesn't mean the other things aren't important. It just is really good to see how the team is aligned and their reasoning behind it as well. Right, makes a lot of sense. So Wesley, uh, last question before we wrap things up here. Let's say you've set yourself up for success with your online profile. You've been reached out to by a company that you think is a good fit. And after actually getting to have a conversation with that organization, they make you an offer. What's the approach to negotiating on compensation? And what are some things you think folks can do to avoid basic errors or, you know, to maximize really their value? I think usually, if, even if it's a phone call or an email, when you actually get the role, yay, celebrate, be happy. Uh, don't uh, poo-poo any offer that comes your way, whether it's good or bad. But the first thing that I suggest that everyone does is respond with asking and getting clarity about two things. One, can they send the entire comp package, which means healthcare, days mm -hmm. off, vacation, 401k match, all of that to make sure that they get a full breadth of all of the benefits of the company and say, I would like to evaluate this compensation in total. The second thing that I say that they should do is ask specifically when they have to get an answer by. So when you get an offer, I know the reflex is to respond with a yes or a no, but make sure you respond with uh, of of getting a time frame of when you have to do that. There's, there's a few reasons for that. One, if you're doing multiple interviews, you wanna make sure that hopefully you get into a bidding situation and having more time allows for that to be more, more of a possibility or probability. Two, you don't want to react from a place of emotional compromise mm -hmm. where you're like, you're so excited, you wanna say yes. Even if you feel in your heart, you're gonna say yes, give it some time. You might even get a reaction or a response in which they up the offer without you even doing a negotiation. But the other thing, is, and the last reason why you don't just say yes immediately is no matter what, this is life-changing. This is changing someone's life, mostly yours, but your family or whoever you're in relationship with. Time commitments can be changed. Take the time to talk to people. 
get some consoles, talk about all the pros and cons, make sure that you're coming at the decision from uh, one that works for your left brain and your right brain. Uh, and, and if they can't give you time or if they're not willing to give you time, you got to understand why that's mm-hmm. just, to me, that feels as if like the final question mark of why this company is giving you the offer. Is it because they feel that you make great decisions? And if they feel that you make great decisions, they should give you all the information and the time to make sure you consider that wisely. Oh, and before I forget, going back to what you're saying about questions, these aren't mine, but I thought these are also really great for interviews. Um, one question is for, for the people who are still at the company, um, just ask your interviewer, why do you think people stay? Mm. And then ask the interviewer again, um, whenever you get that answer, Ask them if you talk to people who left the company, ask them why they left. That's a good one. I like asking that one too. And those those aren't mine, but I, I forget who I can attribute those to. But thank you. Those are amazing questions <laughs> as well. All right. Very cool. I think the only thing that I'd add for like why a company might be giving you time or might not be giving you time, keep in mind that company size, once again, does matter on that front, where larger companies, they could probably give you all the time in the world because they have the resources and ability to do so. But mm. if you're talking to a very small startup that's less than 10 people, they probably need to know a lot sooner because it affects them much more immediately totally. as a small team. And so keep that in mind while you're applying that that's something that you're going to have to consider if you get an offer from either end of the spectrum size-wise where you have to figure out like, is this something where I can make a decision sooner rather than later because it's small or is this something where I can have a bit more flexibility? And that's just kind of the nature of the beast. There. Right. Yeah, that brings to mind, Wesley, you mentioned earlier how frustrating it can be if you don't know whether you've been ghosted or whether a response is coming back. If yeah. you're hiring on the flip side, you know, it's great to have a pipeline, but better to have those conversations with people, letting them know you're not hiring right away. And I actually recently learned in some places illegal to post a job that's just a pipeline job, not like the offer can be made immediately. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, definitely yes. something you have to be cautious with. You also need to see or ask or understand if the recruiter is internal or external, yeah. because that matter, matters as well. Because if it's an external company, some of that pressure may be artificial based on them wanting to make sure that they can lock in the deal or get their bonus in time, or they're on some sort of uh, other external constraints that's based on their structure and their in- how they're incentivized rather than the company mm-hmm. itself. So the, the recruiter may not also be the representative of the company. And that's something that you should understand going in. Very cool. All right, everybody, we are going to wrap it up here as we do in every show. I want to shout out someone who came on Stack Overflow and help spread a little bit of knowledge. Today, we'll give a shout out to Nawara for an inquisitive badge. Thanks, Nawara, for coming on and asking a well-received question on 30 separate days, maintaining a positive question record. All that curiosity has helped a lot of folks gain some knowledge on Stack Overflow. I am Ben Popper. I'm the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. If you have questions or suggestions about the podcast, shoot us an email. It's just podcast at Stack Overflow. And most important, if you like what you heard, why don't you leave us a rating and a review? Because it really helps. I'm Cassidy Williams. I'm CTO at Contenda. You can find me at Cassidoo, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O, on most things. And I've been Wesley Faulkner. 
you can find me on Mastodon. I'm at hackaderm.io forward slash Wesley83. Um, I'm also uh, on Polywork. I mentioned that before. You can just go to wesleyfaulkner.com to find all of my socials. Very cool. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you soon.